Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number seven of Bills Up North. I'm your host, Mitty, and we talk everything Bills here, 365. Obviously, we're kind of in the dog days of the offseason. There's not a whole lot going on with the Bills right now, but there's obviously a ton of stuff we can cover, salary cap, Bills made one signing, and, of course, part two of our 17-17 uh, series. Today we got Alex Van Pelt to talk about. But kicking things off, I think we're going to look into a bit of cap for the Bills. So the Bills are starting right now. They're four mil over the cap, heading into free agency in a couple weeks. So it opens up a lot of questions. A lot of guys that are free agents right now, um, you know, the Bills are four mil over, and they got to look to maybe cut some ties with some guys. And the name I've been hearing a lot is Cole Beasley. And I don't really know how I feel about Beasley going off the books, you know. I don't know. I I've I've been a huge fan of Beasley ever since he came to Buffalo. Um, but I will definitely say, like this past season, I didn't really notice him as impactful as I'd seen him in you know years one and two here in Buffalo. You know, but he did have the second most catches as a slot receiver. Of course, you know, if it wasn't for Cooper Cup being like the fucking greatest thing to ever touch the earth this year, you know, Beasley might have been the best slot receiver in the NFL this year. But obviously, that goes to Cup. Cup was another level. But Beasley's got one year left on his deal. I think, like, next year, if he comes back, I think that's Beasley's last year in Buffalo. You know, you got Gabe Davis and, well, Isaiah McKenzie. We'll see what the Bills choose to do this offseason. He's a free agent. He needs to come back. I would assume the Bills have a lot of interest in bringing back Isaiah McKenzie. He adds another pretty dynamic piece to the offense. And they need a kick and punt returner. I don't have a lot of faith in Marquez Stevenson back there. But... You know, maybe he'll prove me wrong next year. I don't know. If you guys play Madden, I always played with Stevenson as my kick returner. But he fumbled the ball twice on me. So and maybe he'll prove something in real life. But in Madden, he's got two fumbles on me. So not a big fan. Anyway, um, so the big situation with Beasley is that if the Bills choose to cut him before June 6th or before eh, June 1st, so he's owed 7.6 mil this year. If they cut him, the Bills will save 6.1 and the million and a half will just go to dead cap. So you open up $6.1 million. But, like, I just don't know how much that's really going to get you. Of course, like, he's not going to be the only one. There's going to be a lot of guys. A lot of guys are going to be asked to restructure contracts. I think Hyde and Poyer are both going to be asked to restructure. I think maybe Stefan will be asked to restructure. The O-line, like, another guy, Mitch Morris, he's making 11.25. He'll probably get asked to restructure. Um, one guy I really looked at in terms of someone that they could clear, I, I mean, I really like him, but I think they could clear him out is AJ Klein. If they cut him, they'll save 5.2 in dead cap. I like AJ Klein, but this season, like obviously the production wasn't where it was because he wasn't getting the playing time. I just don't know how useful he is in the defense anymore. You know, Taron Johnson has really established what the Bills have now with the four, was it four, two, five? I don't know. I just call it that. But they got the five guys back in the secondary, it seems like. I know Johnson's kidders. Yeah, I don't really know a whole lot about formations football. I never played the game. So I just see what I see on in Madden and on TV. So, but with Johnson in there, like Klein doesn't see a lot. Of course, the Bills have Tremaine Evans and Matt Milano who are, you know, they're both better than Klein. I, and I like Klein. But I think he knows they're both better. And he might, like, you never know. The guy could ask to be cut. I mean, I think he could get a starting job just about anywhere in the NFL. He's a very good linebacker. It's just maybe he's not in the best scenario right now. 
Um, and I know if one person, a lot of people have been saying have been Star Lutalele to cut, but like, if you cut him, all you get is $1.5 million in cap space. It's just, I don't really see the point of that. Especially if you're going to lose a guy like Harrison Phillips in the offseason. You know, you're going to be not running thin, but who's going to play with, uh, what's his nuts there? Ed Oliver. Like, you know, is Epinesa going to start playing defensive tackle? Is, you know, uh, and Jerry Hughes might be gone and Mario Addison and Basham. There's just a ton of unknowns. I think Ludalili should come back. I don't really – I actually didn't really look at his contract deals, but I think he's got one more year left. Of course, he sat out due to COVID or for COVID in 2020 or whatever. But, I, you know, I just don't see the point of cutting a guy like that if you're only going to save 1.5. Look how much dead cap you're going to have left. That's just a waste of money at that point. But yeah, salary cap is definitely a big thing the Bills are going to have to look out for this offseason. Of course, you know, the NFL, I mean, this is what happens to a lot of teams. That's why it's so shocking what New England did for 20 years, that they kept the team together that won six Super Bowls because the salary cap, you know, I've watched hockey for so many years, the salary cap tears apart great teams. So hopefully it doesn't happen to the Bills. But in other news, of course, there was actually a signing. The Bills brought back Tyrell Dodson. They got him for one year. Uh, mostly a backup guy, and he plays a lot of special teams, which is good. The Bills have a very effective special teams unit. Um, sorry. The kid was undrafted out of Texas A&M, so it's kind of a good story to see. I love seeing these undrafted guys, you know, make it to the NFL because it's, you know, it's just another obstacle in a way for a lot of these guys. You know, Levi Wallace undrafted. I don't even think he was a walk-on in college. You know, there's just a lot of guys. It's always good to see these undrafted guys turn into, you know, something fantastic. And a guy like Terrell Dobson, you know, if he keeps up what he does in special teams, you can play in the NFL for a long time as a special teams player. Look at, you know, look at some of the guys on the Bills. You know, Tywan Jones is like, I think going into his 10th year, which we're going to get into him in a bit. And he's just played special teams. He's listed as a running back. I don't think he's played running back since like 2014. Like, I don't know the last time he actually touched a ball on offense. But, yeah, we might as well lead that into him. So, big part is for the Bills. Both their special teams gunners are free agents. And Jones, you know, Jones had the 16, you know, ranked 69th. He had eight tackles this year for special teams gunners, which is pretty good. Like, it's 69 out of all special teams players, you know, which is decent. I mean, you know, it's an effective piece. I know... You know, when we think of gunners, you know, you'd think like, oh, are these special team guys really important? I mean, look at Steve Tasker. Like, you know, everyone loves Steve Tasker here in Buffalo. But on the other side, like, I think Saran Neal is one of the most important guys to bring back. This guy had the 11th most special team tackles in the NFL. He had 13. And he was just a very effective-looking player. Like, when you saw him, he was just extremely effective out there. He was always making plays. He had high energy. He was looking... You know, I remember, what was it, week two when he hit Pringle right on the arm and knocked it out. The Bills got a turnover. He just, I find he makes plays that can really change a game. And the special teams can change an entire complexion of a game. You know, all it takes for special teams to make a guy botch a punt or for the punter to pin a guy deep and miss field goal. Like anything, special teams is so important in the NFL. I don't think people understand you know, when people think special teams, they just think your kicker, your punter, and maybe your long snapper. But like these gunners, like they are extremely important to a team, 
And I think Saran Neal has to be a guy like right on the top of the list. And especially like, you know, the Bills have another great special teamer in Tyler. I always fuck up his name, but Matekovic, who had who ranked seventh, he had 14 special teams tackles this year. So it really shows you if you can get these guys downfield, pin guys deep. I mean, I'm sure. I know Matt Hawk. I I don't really know why the Bills cut Hawk and or cut Bohorquez or let Bohorquez leave and they brought in Hawk. Like I, I don't really think Hawk is that much better. In fact, like I don't know. Was it the Jets game that he was just fucking up punts? Yeah, that was. I think that was the Jets game, or maybe that was no. Yeah, that was the Jets game. Never mind. Yeah, because everyone was like worried he wanted the playoffs that he was just gonna fuck up a bunch of punts. Which I mean, I don't even, I didn't even punt against New England. His first punt came against KC. But I, uh, you know, in terms of the rest of the teams, Ferguson, I like Ferguson. He's never done anything dumb. Uh, Bass, I love Bass. Tyler Bass is a fantastic kicker. I was kind of on the fence with him when he first got drafted because I was a big Stephen Hauschka fan. But obviously, Hauschka's age got up there, and it was kind of time to move forward. And Bass has been pretty much money ever since he came in. You know, he's got to be. I'd say, like, the second, you know, he's got to be, like, the second, like, brightest kicker in the NFL, obviously, behind Evan McPherson. You know, McPherson's money. I mean, you know, the thing is about McPherson, McPherson puts himself in the headline. Bass really doesn't. I don't really, you know, I don't look up kicker stats. But Bass, I don't ever remember Bass missing a big point this, you know, a big field goal. I mean, he missed that one against the Colts. But I think, from what I recall, I think it was raining and it was kind of windy that game. I don't know. I wasn't at the game. I was watching it at a Buffalo Wild Wings in Phoenix. But, yeah, I think the special teams, like, if they can get all these guys back, like, I think the Bills can easily have, like, maybe a top five special teams unit next year, which, if they're going to lose guys, could be huge to this team. You know, just to clear up kind of what I said about, you know, if they're going to lose guys, these guys on special teams are important. I mean, if they lose guys on, like, offense and defense. If, some, if you know, if guys start to go – you know, these guys on special teams may be able to pin teams deeper. They'll be able to make more plays. You know, the better special teams you have, I think the better you are as a team, obviously. But the better special teams are than, you know, Kansas City or Tennessee or New England. You know, I just think that that can push you a little bit further ahead than those teams can if you're just better in those departments. And you can really, like I said, special teams can change a game. It can flip a game on its ear. You could be up ten points, and all of a sudden, you're getting you think you're getting the ball back, and boom, big hit, ball goes flying. They pick it up, bring it back, touchdown. And you're you're only up by three now. So, yeah, I really expect Brandon Bean to bring both these guys back. I think it would be kind of foolish if he didn't. And kind of a small thing about Jones. I know there's a big thing for the Bills right now about running backs. Um, like I know Leonard Fournette's a free agent back and I could see the bills making a push potentially, but obviously you're going to need quite a bit of cap. I don't know if Fournette, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in Tampa just in terms of is, is that whole team going to kind of break up? Like, you know, Godwin is probably a four, you know, it's pretty foregone conclusion. He's gone, um, without Brady now, you know, Gabbert's not under contract either. So I think Kyle Trask is technically their starter for next. I mean, he I think he's the only quarterback under contract right now. Um, and then Brady is in a whole other shit show with the media right now. We'll actually get into that in a bit. I just kind of want to give my thoughts on that. Um, sorry, fuck. I lost my train of thought. But yeah, I mean, oh, shit. Yeah, Fournette, sorry. 
I would like Leonard Fournette. I think he's a good back. I think he, he's kind of – I remember when he got drafted. I thought he was like 35 years old. Like he looks like he's like 35. He's probably, what, 28 now? But I think it would be a good pickup. I just don't know. It depends on the contract, you know. Can the Bills really use this guy? I mean, Singletary is going to have to put out this year. Like, he's going to have to play like he did towards the end of the season for the whole year. Zach Moss, I I really don't know what is going to happen with Zach Moss. This is kind of his make or break year. Like, it really depends how the Bills want to use him, too. I, I really have not, never understood. I know we have Josh Allen for, you know, first and goal on the four. I know we have Josh Allen for that. But, like, why not give the ball to him? Like, he's fucking huge. Like, the only running back that's bigger than him in the league has got to be, uh, what's his name in Green Bay, uh, A.J. Dillon. Like, you know, I think Moss can really power his way. Like, uh, who do he play against? He played quite a bit against the Patriots, I think. I think the second meeting against the Patriots after they kind of put Breed to the shelf. And I thought he played a really good game. He can catch the ball pretty well out of the backfield too, which I think he's a better catcher than Singletary. I just, I don't think he has the boots that Singletary quite has. Um it kind of reminds me of, like, obviously, it kind of reminds me of Mike Tolbert. Remember that big motherfucker the Bills used to have? But he's, like, not as fat, obviously. Like, Matt, Mike Tolbert was, like, like I, I don't know how much that guy weighed. That guy had to have weighed at least, like, 250. Like, he had kind of a gut on him. But, uh, yeah, like, I really think, you know, we can get Moss catching a few balls. Maybe turn him into what Hines does. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be as good as Naeem Hines. But if he can catch a few balls out of the backfield, I don't see why not. And you can put him in easily on third and one, third and two. Like he's, you know, he's got the legs to push his way through. Kind of unlike Singletary. Singletary's kind of a do-it-all back. Um, but I know some people have been looking, you know, Fournette looking for an upgrade. I think Singletary and Fournette would be a really good backfield. Uh, I don't know what you do with Zach Moss at that point, obviously. Um, you know, because you have Gilliam, the fullback. You know, the Bills, they like using Gilliam quite a bit. Towards the end of the season, he's, I mean, he's ranked the third best fullback in the NFL, which is awesome. Obviously, if you're going to use your fullback, you want a good one. But I just don't know if Fournette, you know, obviously the Bills are cap crunched right now. And I just think, I just don't know if they really need Fournette. You know, I don't know if that would be the smartest place to put their money. I think you draft a running back. I've been saying they should draft Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. And shout out to the guys at Buffalo Fanatics. I'd never heard of Dalvin Cook's brother, Jordan Cook. I saw some highlights. This kid looks pretty good, too. I don't know what his projection is, but I would be pretty happy if the Bills picked him, too. But like I said, I think the Bills should. I know teams don't like doing it, but the Bills have a late first-round pick. You know, it, it paid off for the Steelers last year picking Najee Harris. I think the Bills should go after Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker at running back. But we got one more running back rumor to get into. Obviously, it's a huge name potentially on the trade market right now so so that big back that's on the trading market right now well potentially i don't really know how confirmed these rumors are but sounds like carolina might be trying to ship christian mccaffrey and some people are saying the bills might be a good fit for mccaffrey and i just don't know if i really would want the bills to go after a guy like mccaffrey like the guy has not been healthy since what is as was even healthy in his rookie season like i can't remember the last time this guy i don't know if this guy's ever played a full season in his career you know it's just what happens when you play running back him and saquon have kind of been the same story it's just they can't stay healthy and that's you know i mean they're they're i'm gonna say those are the last two running backs that'll ever get picked in the top 10 in the nfl draft i mean no running back is ever going to go at second overall like saquon again 
that'll never happen unless there's like a truly transcendent talent. I don't see any running back going in the top 10 ever again. Like these guys have to be next to none, like the next great, I don't know, fucking Derrick Henry potentially. You know, and Derrick Henry was a second round pick, so. Um, But yeah, in terms of the Bills getting McCaffrey, I just don't really think it's the best idea. It's just, how much are you going to give up for a guy like McCaffrey? How much is Carolina going to ask? Are they going to ask for a first round pick? If I'm the Bills, I'd probably still, you know, steer clear of that. I mean, they... Traded first round pick for Stephon Diggs, which obviously has very much worked out. That trade's worked out great for the Vikings too. They have Justin Jefferson now. But you know, I don't want to give up. You know, you don't want to give up first round pick. I, mean, I remember last time they traded in Carolina, they got Kelvin Benjamin, and that fat shit couldn't stop eating. And uh, I don't even think he was on the team a year a, a year after he was traded. I don't even know if he was still on the team. He was bad. He couldn't catch the ball. He wouldn't stop eating. Like I don't know. He was like. Talk about a guy that had a ton of potential, but it's just ugh, like just so frustrating to watch. Like ton of potential, but like put it's like Eddie Lacy, but Eddie Lacy played fucking wide receiver. Like you don't have to eat fantastic all year round. If any of you guys watch hockey, you know what I'm talking about. Look at Phil Kessel, but like I don't whatever. You give up millions of dollars, you can't stop eating food. I don't really know if that's why Kelvin Benjamin's out of the league or if it was worth work ethic. And then he had the whole bullshit with Cam Newton. Anyway, I don't see that happening with McCaffrey, but um, I just I just don't think it's a great idea to go after a guy like McCaffrey. If you can get him for like like a third and a fifth, I'd probably say, yeah, sure, give it a shot. You're not probably not going to miss out on a whole lot with a third and a fifth round pick. Of course, there's always the chance that one of those guys turns into, you know, obviously Derrick Henry. But I just... I don't see a ton of risk in that, but you know, if Carolina's gonna say we want a first round pick, like I wouldn't I just I just wouldn't touch that. Like it's just too risky. And you know, the money McCaffrey's making, I don't really know how much money he makes. I'm assuming he makes quite a pretty penny. Of course I don't know these guys' contracts off the top of my head. But yeah, my personal opinion, steer clear. If you want to back Sign Fournette in free agency or sign, like, some of the few guys I listed off before. You know, Bernard's a free agent. Boston Scott's a free agent. There's a couple of guys that are free agents. And, you know, McCaffrey's just – I think he's just going to be too much of a risk potentially for the Bills. So I would definitely pass on him. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it talking about him. Um, in terms of – the rest of the story with the Bills, Josh Allen wasn't at the Pro Bowl, but uh sounded like a lot of players had a lot of props for him there. And, you know, I think soon we're going to get into the topic of is Josh Allen the best quarterback in the NFL? I mean, you could have that discussion right now. I mean, I don't think it's undisputed between him and Mahomes. But this is the point I was looking at. Like, if Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Broncos, like, the AFC is going to be fucked. Like, you're going to have in one division playing Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and then Derek Carr, who's not great, but Derek Carr's a very good quarterback. And you're gonna have Josh Allen, you know, you're gonna have Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar, Trevor Lawrence if he breaks out to what he's projected to be. Um, he, God knows where Deshaun Watson's gonna play. Mac Jones is still a good quarterback. I mean, if Deshaun, Deshaun's not gonna play in Houston, but if he gets traded to Miami, it's like holy fuck, watch out! Like the AFC could be a huge dogfight next year. Like I'm talking, you're gonna have. You're going to have eight teams. You're going to have teams that are going to miss the playoffs. 
because the AFC is going to be that good next year, potentially. But that's just all hypothetical. I personally think Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. I think they're going to find a way to bring him and Devontae back. But, hey, you never know. So the last thing I kind of want to get into before we're going to get into our second of 17-17 to is the rumors that apparently Tom Brady's going to come back. Apparently he's going to go play for the 49ers this year, which I I don't. I'm, this is reported by Mike Florio. or At least it's what he believes. I don't know if it was reported by him or if this is just what he believes. But apparently Tom is going to go play for the Niners. That's what he thinks, which I don't know how that's going to work. Are the Bucks going to have to? Because I don't know what his contract was in Tampa. Like, is he going to have to, like, are they going to have to trade his contract to San Fran? You know, San Fran's obviously, they said Jimmy G, see you later. It's Trey Lance time. But if they get Tom, like, I think they're going to go with Tom. Like, I think you have to kind of, they're going to say, like, hey, this guy finished second in MVP and he wants to come play for you. I'm sure they're going to be like, yeah, we'll we'll take Tom Brady. But um, just the whole rumor, I just don't know how legit this sounds. Like, is Tom Brady, like, is he just going to pull what Gronk did? Just, like, oh, hey, we're going to trade you to the Detroit Lions while I'm retiring and then come back out so we can play for Tampa. Like, I just uh, I just don't know if that's what's going to happen. Speaking of Gronk, what if Gronk came to Buffalo? Gronk, is a, you know, he was born in Buffalo. I, I really don't know if he'd want to come to Buffalo. Apparently he said, like, if he wants to play, he'll play for um, New England. But Or not New England, sorry, Cincinnati. Apparently he really likes Joe Burrow. But who knows? Like, I remember he made a statement once about uh, they asked him how it felt to beat the Bills. And, you know, because obviously the Bills, uh, fuck, who'd they pick? They had the pick right before Gronk, and they passed on him, and Gronk went the next pick, and la-di-da, six or however many Super Bowls later, the Patriots have won. Or I think he won three. Or, no, I guess he has four because he's got the one in Tampa as well. Sorry. But, uh, hey, I'd, I'd be open for that if Gronk wanted to come to Buffalo. Him and Dawson Knox, they'd be lethal. They'd be like Gronk and Aaron Hernandez back at it. Except no one would, like, get killed or anything. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think it's potentially an open window for, you know, for the Bills. Maybe Gronk would say, uh, I think he said he grew up liking the Bills too. So maybe he'd pull Brady and say, I'll go play for my hometown team for a year and see if I can win maybe one more Super Bowl. With the bill, you know, with the bills, I am sure. I don't know how Pat's fans would feel about it. I'm sure they'd understand. They weren't visibly upset when he went and signed in Tampa, but I just think that's a bit of a theory. But uh, back to Brady, I I don't see Brady coming out of retirement. Like, I like it just seemed kind of ridiculous that he had to retire. Like he'd have to retire to do this. Like why, you know, if he really wanted to play for the Niners and there's all this friction, like why wouldn't he just ask for a trade? Like, why wouldn't he just say, can you guys trade me to San Francisco? And I, I don't even think, like, they could have worked out a decent trade, in my opinion. You could have traded, um, sorry, you could have traded Brady to San Fran and then going back to Tampa, you could easily have Jimmy Garoppolo and maybe another asset, maybe a guy like Brandon Ayuk and a pick or something, and you bring in Tom for, I, I would assume it would be a one-year stint for Tom. I don't think Tom... Or the Niners are going to want him there for more than a year. But, you know, I I just think they could have worked out a good trade that way. You could have – Tampa could have gotten Garoppolo, who's could be a placeholder quarterback for if they want to draft someone this year or next year. He could play a couple of years there. 
Um, because obviously they don't have Blaine Gabbard under contract anymore, but he might come back. Sorry. But I, I think it would have been like kind of like a perfect trade for the two teams. Yeah, it'd be funny to watch Garoppolo get traded for Brady after all the controversy there. But yeah, like I've yeah, that's my opinion is if Brady wanted to do this, why didn't he just ask for a trade? Or if Tampa knew this, why wouldn't they say like, you know, we'll we'll trade you? I but I don't really know how it's gonna work out now. If he wants to play for the Niners, like is he a free agent now? I, I just don't know what his contract was. Is like is he a free agent and he can just go sign or is he need his rights to get traded to uh San Fran? And I would assume that's the trade. I would assume Garoppolo would have to be coming back in that trade. But if this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen before the draft. I I, I don't see any way that Garoppolo is not on another team by draft day. Like, that's when the Niners can get the most out of Jimmy Garoppolo's right around draft time. There's going to be plenty of teams looking for a quarterback that can hold a – no, not hold a clipboard, but hold the job for a year, two, maybe three. Hell, maybe teams ride with him for five like the Vikings have done with Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, Jimmy G going to be traded by the deadline. So, it's all going to go down by draft day. So, I think now it's about time that we get into – uh, number two of seven, uh, two out of seventeen of our seventeen to seventeen series, where we look at the seventeen quarterbacks that started for the Bills uh, between Jim Kelly and Josh Allen. And today we have Alex Van Pelt. Uh, he was a quarterback. He was he went to he's from Pittsburgh. He actually played at Pitt too. He was drafted in ninety three in the eighth round. That doesn't even fucking exist anymore. At pick two sixteen, the Steelers actually drafted him. So he grew up in Pitt played at Pitt, and then was drafted by the Steelers. They cut him after training camp, though. He'd go to the Chiefs, and he'd actually serve as Joe Montana's backup for the season. He wouldn't get any action. Um, then after the season, he was let go. He'd come to the Bills in 94. He wouldn't see any action. In 95, he'd actually get into a game. Um, he'd get into one game. He'd go 10 of 18. He'd, so a completion percentage of 55.6. And he'd throw two touchdowns for 106 yards, no picks. So eh, he looked decent. Then in uh, 96, or sorry, yeah, first year was 95. Now in 96, he again, he goes into a game. You know, he goes two for five uh, for nine yards. That's it. 96, he comes in because Rob Johnson, or sorry, was it Rob Johnson who got hurt? Yeah, it was, I believe. Or it was Doug Flutie. Anyway, he gets into games. He gets into six games. He actually starts three. He goes one and two. He has a 48.4 completion percentage, throws for two touchdowns and 10 picks. So he kind of has a like a Nathan Peterman style season is the way I put it. Like this guy was Nathan Peterman before Nathan Peterman. And uh, he threw for 684 yards. So like not terrible stat line if you keep the picks down. 98, he'd come into one game, but he didn't put up any stats. So I, I think he just came in and like took a knee was all he did. So that's what I'm going to put it. Then in 99, again, he'd come in for one game. He'd throw one pass, he'd complete it, and it would be nine yards, and it was actually a first down pass. Um, then in 2000, uh, again, getting into one game, he'd throw four passes, or he'd throw eight passes, he'd complete four of them, so 50%. Again, 67 yards, total passing, no touchdowns, no picks. 0-1, uh, he actually started quite a bit. Uh, you know, the Bills had just moved on from Doug Flutie. He was gone to San Diego, and it was Rob Johnson and Alex Van Pelt. 
And Johnson kind of struggled, so the Bills said, okay, we'll give the kid a shot. Um, you know, and he came in. He came in for 12 games. He started eight. He went two and six. He didn't really have the best, you know, obviously the team wasn't very good. Um, so he had a 58% completion percentage, which is pretty good. He threw 12 touchdowns, 11 picks, a little on the high side. And he threw for 1,056 yards. And the Bills at this point, uh, knew they kind of made a mistake with Rob Johnson keeping over Doug Flutie. And I, a lot of the team knew that too. Like, you know, I, there's the whole controversy of the, uh, 99 playoff game with Doug Flutie getting into the playoffs. And then owner Ralph Wilson said, yeah, Rob Johnson's going to start. There's, um, I should probably make a video of it on my YouTube channel, but kind of the whole controversy about what happened with that. Anyway, uh, getting aside that, and after that season with Van Pelt, the Bills felt like, okay, we have someone that can at least hold the load. And they decided, yeah, Rob is no longer our guy. And then they actually, in that offseason, Drew Bledsoe became available. And I don't really know if Van Pelt was ever going to be a starter for the Bills or if he was just – maybe he was and he was just going to kind of be like a, like another guy we'd seen for the Bills for a lot of years, just kind of a like a Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe. I don't know what their plan was. Um, but Bledsoe became available and they traded for Drew. Um, then in 0-2 with Bledsoe there, he got into two games. He threw two passes, completed both of them for five yards. No touchdowns, no picks. 0-3, he comes in. This is his last season in Buffalo. So this guy played like nine seasons or it was like 11. How many years is this in Buffalo? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He played a decade for the Bills in 0-3. Went six games, threw five pass or threw twelve passes, completed five, forty one point seven, zero touchdowns, three picks, forty nine yards, and uh, the writing was kind of on the wall that this guy's career was probably not going anywhere. Um, again, he was behind Bledsoe for that year, and yeah, he just called it a career after that. So after Van Pelt left football in 03, it actually wasn't his last ties to the Bills organization, as he'd actually come back as a coach in 06. He started in college, and I think he was at, like, Purdue before this. And he came to the Bills in 06 and 07, and he was the offensive quality control coach. And then in 08, he took over as the QB's coach, which, of course, was, uh, you know, I don't really know how successful you look at it because that was J.P. Lossman's time in Buffalo, um, which is, uh, we'll speak on, well, we'll get to J.P. Um, and then 09, he'd become the quarterback's coach and the OC, but then he would end up getting fired. I, the Bills wiped the entire staff after that six and 10 season. That was the, yeah, that was the TO season. That was the 50th year. I think that was the last year they wore those old, uh, shitty uniforms too. I hated those things. Um, but you know, for Van Pelt today, I mean, he's still coaching. He's been coaching for a decade plus, you know, um, you know, it's been over a decade since he was with the Bills. And he's still coaching. Uh, today he's the Browns OC. And, like, this is a guy that I don't think anyone would be shocked. Like, I certainly wouldn't if he's a head coach one day. You know, I know in terms of him being the Browns OC, it probably isn't a good look this year with the way Baker played. But, hey, you never know. Um, you know, this guy might yeah, – I could see him being a head coach one day. When you just get so many positions in terms of coaching, he's definitely an offensive mind kind of guy. Uh, not much on defense. I don't – you know, looking at his resume, I didn't see a single defensive coaching position. But you never know. I mean, every coach kind of has their own bias. You know, you usually go from coordinator to coach. You don't 
you know, everyone's got their own style anyway. But yeah, Van Pelt, I mean, why was he not the guy in Buffalo? I just, I, you could say he just never really got his shot because he never really got the start except for the one year. And then when it looked like they might go with him, uh, you know, Drew Bledsoe became available. And I felt like, I feel like at that time, the Bills felt like, you know, kind of all the momentum of the 90s had really halted for them and they needed to bring someone in that could actually elevate them to the playoffs potentially and that's of course what Bledsoe did like Bledsoe was a very good quarterback um of course we'll get into him but actually the next two of these guys we're gonna have some very interesting ones like um you know we're gonna have Rob Johnson and Doug Flutie coming up right away of course Bledsoe's the guy who's gonna be covered after that we're literally gonna cover everyone you know EJ Manuel Kyle Orton Thad Lewis uh a fucking Jeff Tool, Fitzmagic. Uh, you know, this can be a really, I think, interesting series over the next 17 weeks. Um, of course, I'm actually going to start probably turning some of these into YouTube videos. Uh, of course, my blog, too. I'll try and get the link for that in the description. I know last time it wouldn't let me because it was being all fucked up. But in terms of YouTube, I'm just trying to get the hang of what it takes to you know, make videos, edit videos. I kind of need a better camera. The one I have is kind of shit. So it's going to take me a while to kind of get that stuff going, but I, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, these will be good videos for YouTube. So I'll link both of those in the description, but of course, um, you know, thanks for tuning in guys. I always appreciate anyone that tunes into these. Um, if you like them, subscribe, watch them, recommend them to your friends. I don't recommend them to your mom, your dad, your fucking cousin that lives in Montana or Wyoming, you know, recommend them to anyone. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week for episode number eight. Thank you. Bye.